start with today's scripture reading. This morning's scripture reading comes from Psalm 22, verses 1 through 3. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me and from the, and from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear, and in the night season, and I am not silent. But you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. Praise God. Okay, you are holy and enthroned in the praises of Israel. So as we started out saying here that um, praising and worshiping God is very, very, very important. And if we are not at a place in our lives that we can praise and worship God, then we need to get there. We need to get to the point where we're not ashamed to just open up ourselves and to praise him. You know, many times when someone, another human being, does something nice for us or does a big favor for us or gives us something that's really unusual and, and so forth, you know, you have such a, a, a sense of gratitude and, and admiration for that person. You know, you may even say to someone, oh, gosh, I even I hate that expression, but I worship the ground he, works, he walks on, you know. And so we will say that about a human being, but how many of us can say that about God? So today we want to look at at the relationship of praise and worship, and then uh, relative to, to guidance. All of us need guidance in our lives. You know, many of us are praying for many, many things that we have, we have hopes and dreams of, uh, of, of overcoming, of accomplishing. And um, uh, if we don't have this, this feeling deep in our spirits and in our hearts to praise God, then it's hard for God, God to even give us the guidance that we need. Amen. So we're going to look at several scriptures first just regarding praise. Um, go to Psalm 107. Psalm 107. You, you, you know, and, and um, I'm, I'm, I'm not... I'm not saying this to to convict or to to condemn, but many times when we are praising, some are really caught up in praise, and some are probably thinking about things to come or things for the rest of the day. What you need to get to the point of doing, there's a reason why we do praise and worship service first thing before we start the service. Because that's how you start a worship service, giving praise and worship to God. And at that point in time, you need to divest yourself of these other things that you're thinking about, you know, and just focus on God. You really, you really, you really, I mean, this is what I'm hearing from the Lord. And if I do not say this to you openly and honestly, then I'm not doing your God, my job and God holds me responsible and I will not have that. So I need to tell you what God is wanting me to share with you. That we all need to get to the point that for that 15, 20 minutes that we're praising, that you can just lock out. This is not for my good. It's not for anyone else's good that's around you, but it's for your good. That you can lock out all of the thoughts that may be running through your head and just focus on, Lord, I'm so glad I can be here with you and I'm praising you and I'm worshiping you in, 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 in an unadulterated way. Um, when you get to that point, that does several things. It, it, it brings you into a closeness with God that you haven't had before, and you will start experiencing a new relationship with God. You will start experiencing a relationship with God where he is more personal to you. See, so many times we can be very good Christians. We can be tithing and offering and praying to God and everything like that. But the sense of knowing that God is my very personal God and that I can praise him and he hears my praise. And because of my praise, he will be around me. He will inhabit my praise. If you can really get that locked into your spirit, you will find your life changing significantly. 
you will find that, that, that the stresses of this life, the cares of this world, will not lock on to you. Because all you need to do is praise God. If you are praising God and you've got a situation that is going on in your life and you've got that tight knot in your stomach and your chest is feeling heavy because you're worried about something that's going on and you start praising God and the word of God says that he inhabits, God lives in the praises of his people. So if you're praising God, you will feel God's presence come into where you are. You will feel his presence, and you'll feel that knot in your chest or that knot in your stomach dissolve. Amen? So you really need to focus on that. 107, verse number 32. Just jump into verse 32. Let, him exalt, let them exalt him also in the congregation of the people. Go to 31. I'm sorry, 31. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt him also in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. Okay? So we see right there the word of God is saying here, let them exalt him in the congregation of the people. This is why we as a church, this is why we exalt and we lift up God and we worship him. Because God says this is what we need to do. And God does not say things lightly. Go to one, uh, go to... Um, 145, Psalm 145. Got a lot of scriptures, so I'm going to move kind of quickly as Holy Spirit would lead us. Um, 145. Okay. I will extol thee, Psalm 145. I will extol thee, O my, uh, my God, O King. I will bless thy name forever and ever. Every day will I bless thee, and I will praise thy name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise thy works to another, and shall declare thy mighty acts. I will speak of the glorious honor of thy majesty and thy wondrous works. And men shall speak of the might of thy awe-inspiring acts, and I will declare thy greatness. They shall abundantly utter the memory of thy great goodness, and shall sing of thy righteousness. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger, and of great mercy. That's something to praise God for right there, the fact that he's slow to anger. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. All thy works shall praise thee, O Lord. Thy saints shall bless thee. They shall speak of the glory of thy kingdom, and talk of thy power to make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. The kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and thy dominion endureth throughout all generations. The Lord upholds all that fall and raises up all those who are bowed down. The eyes of all wait upon thee, and thou givest them their food in due season. Who's in the line? Giveth them their food in due season. Whatever we're praying and believing God for will come in due season in God's time. Thou openest thine hand uh, and satisfied the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and holy in all his works. The Lord is near unto all those who can call upon him. Please underline that. The Lord is near unto all those who call unto, upon him. To all who can upon him, who can upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. He will also hear their cry and will save them. Please underline that. Who fear him, he will hear, um, he will hear their cry and will save him. 
them. The Lord preserves all those who love him, but all the wicked will he destroy. My mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord, and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. All right, please underline that last scripture, 21. My mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord, and let all his flesh all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Um, Psalms 146, 147, 148, 149, and 150, they all are in the same vein, talking about the importance of praising God. All right, the importance of praising God. We go to, in New Testament, let's just jump quickly, uh, 1 Peter. 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. And verse number 9. Verse number 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Please in the line, you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Amen. So the very fact that, that we should show forth the praise of him that called you out of darkness, the fact that you were called out of darkness and now are living in the light of Jesus Christ is something to praise God for. Suppose we had a God that just let us go on through life and tool along with all of the failures and all of the challenges and all of the angst and all of the pain that we've had through life. Suppose we had a God that didn't care about that. Amen? But he brought us out of that darkness into his marvelous light. So, I mean, so, so that's enough right there for you to be praising God for. Amen? You know, all of a sudden, with this flash to mind, I remember one time back east in New York, in the middle of a very bad snowstorm, um, uh, my, my, my battery died. And I stood outside with, with, I got up, and with the snow coming down, I had the cables in my hand, and I was holding them like this, just hoping that a motorist would just stop to give me a boost. You know, and the cars passed, and the cars passed, and I don't know how long I was out there. And I prayed, and I said, Lord, send somebody. And then finally, a car, one gentleman came up and said, do you need help? Do you need help? And I said, yes, I do. And I was so thankful. I mean, seeing that man was such a blessing, you see. So that, that was like me being pulled out of darkness into light. You know, you don't know what it's like to be in the middle of a snowstorm, especially back east when you've got the wind blowing. That was such a blessing, you see. So in, in a similar manner, God has taken us out of the, 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 the tribulations and the trials of our life into his light. light. Um, that doesn't mean that we don't have trials, we don't have challenging times, but we need to remember, though, that God is always there to bail us out. You see, so that alone is something that should make us want to praise him. And now we, and then on the praise subject, we go to one more scripture. Let's go to Hebrews. Book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. Okay. We want guidance from God. We want instruction from God. We want um, to see where God is going to take us. But yet times, so many times, we forget to, to praise God and to worship him. You know, how many of us are thankful to God after we get that blessing? Right? The things that you pray for, 
You're up every night praying about it, you know, and, and we all know how to pray. First you send forth that prayer, and, and then, then the next day comes, and you don't send up that same prayer again. I mean, you know, use shoes, you know, my favorite shoes thing. You know, Lord, let me get a new pair of shoes. I need a new pair of shoes. Please give me a new pair of shoes. Your second day, if you haven't received the shoes yet, your prayer is, thank you, Lord, for I believe that I have received the shoes. The third day, thank you, Lord, for I believe that I have received the shoes. Is there anything that I need to do? Thank you, Lord. The next day, I believe I received the shoes. And then finally, when you get the shoes, then you jump up and down and you praise God and you say, Lord, thank you because I have re- I received the shoes. And the reason why we say in... In that interim, when we have not seen the prayer be answered, in that interim, why we say, thank you, Lord, I believe that I have received them. Because we don't want to go saying the same prayer to God over and over. The next day, God, I need a new pair of shoes. God, I need a new pair of shoes. God, I need a new pair of shoes. Because if you're doing that, then that implies that you didn't believe that God heard you the first time you prayed it. Amen? God heard you. And God is working on delivering those shoes to you. So each day until it happens, you praise God, you worship God, and you praise Him. And you say, thank you, Lord, for I believe that I have received the shoes. You see, now, in the meantime, there may be some guidance that God might be wanting to give you relative to receiving those shoes. But guess what? If you're not praising him, if you're not worshiping him in the meantime, you may not hear any guidance that he may want to give you. You see, so we want guidance in our lives. But how many times do we forget to actually thank God for what he's already done? And thanking God for what we know that God is going to do. You see, and, 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 and we miss that. We miss that. You see. And God sits in heaven, you know, and he's, sometime I feel that God is in tears because he's saying, I'm blessing my children, but they forget to even thank me. I'm blessing my children, but they forget to worship me, you know. I'm blessing my children, but they're forgetting to praise me, you know. All of us have had the experience, or if you didn't say it, you certainly thought it. But some nice, some little nice youngster that's in your family or a neighbor or whatever you did something nice for, the little kid runs up, snatches it from you, then runs away, doesn't even say thank you, no nary a uh, just grabs it and runs. You may not say it, you're saying oh, that ungrateful little brat. You, know, you may not want to say it, but that's what you're basically thinking. Little ungrateful brat, just grabbed the thing and just ran. You know, now let's not be so holy and Christian now that we can't say that because we know good much what goes through your mind. You know, okay? So how can you imagine our God, the Heavenly Father, whose, whose powers are far more awesome and, 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 and depth of giving is far greater than ours? How do you think even He feels when we, His children, who gave us all of this grace which we didn't even deserve... Amen. Gave us his son, which we didn't even deserve. Did all of that, but we forget to even thank him. And moreover, we can't even praise him and worship him. But then you're still you're saying, God, I'm praying for this opportunity. I'm praying for this house. I'm praying for this. I'm praying for guidance. I'm praying for this, praying for this. But yet still we can't spend time enough with God to hear what it is that he might be telling us if we simply remember to take a little time to thank him and to praise him. Amen. Amen. So we see here now in Hebrews 13... Uh, verse 10. Hebrews 13, verse 10. We have an altar of which they have no right to eat who serve the tabernacle. For the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned outside the camp. Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. 
if you remember where Jesus was hung, he was outside the gate of the city, right? So that's in line with the way sacrifices were done. Verse 13, let us go forth, therefore, unto him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. For, for here, here have we no continuing city, but we seek uh, one to come. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But to do good and to share, forget not, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. So praising God, sacrificial praise is when you really don't feel like praising God. So underline that. Sacrificial praise is when you really don't feel like praising God, but you're praising God anyway. You know, you know, and sometimes we will get up in the morning or whatever's going on in your mind or in your heart or, or whatever. You feel like, gee, was, what's the point? You know, why should I be? You, you know, you, you praise God. You, you praise God, you know. And in looking at the words that we saw in the music today, the lyrics there, I mean, that, that is so simple for you just to simply take some time, heartfelt, giving God some heartfelt praise. Amen. So we see these scriptures here that and there are so so many more on praise uh, uh, on it, but I, I want to get back. Now I want to get to the part of guidance. We talked about the praise and worship, and now let us uh, look at guidance. In the sermons since the beginning of the year, we've heard repeated times that God is sending us on journeys. Some of those journeys may be physical journeys where you may be moving. Some journeys may be spiritual journeys where God is moving you to a different level. So now we want to look at guidance and how we're going to, to go on these journeys. So go to the book of Numbers. The book of Numbers. The book of Numbers. Numbers chapter 20. Numbers chapter 20. We're looking, looking for, for, for guidance here on. We're going on this journey, so how, how, are we, how are we to fare? How are we to do when God is sending us on this journey? Um, many, many times people do not consider that a journey, a spiritual journey, is one of any significance. A spiritual journey is just as important, if not more, more important, than a physical move. It's relatively easy for you to pack your boxes, in a, you know, put your belongings in a box. Well, not so easy. I've done that a couple of times. It's not, not a fun thing at all. Some, some of you here know what I'm talking about. It's not, not always a fun thing. But, but it's relatively easy to take off your belongings, put them in boxes, and then go on and, and move them to a new physical location. But a spiritual journey sometimes is different for us because a spiritual journey um, many times will be, uh, what can I say, it, it can be threatening to us because we are unsure of our capabilities. We're unsure of what God is going to be revealing to us. We're unsure of what, what new heights God may be taking us to. And I have known some people that when you start talking about deep spiritual things, they get kind of a panicked look in their face. You mean to say, I'm going to start hearing God actually talking to me? I may really, really hear his voice. And they start getting nervous about possibly hearing God's voice. You see, but whatever spiritual journey, new spiritual height that God takes us to, there's nothing for us to be afraid of or worried about because all we have to simply say to God is, is praise God, if this is what you want me to do, if this is where you want me to grow to spiritually, then I will follow your lead, God. I will go wherever you want me to go. Just give me the guidance. Amen. So here we see in Numbers chapter 20, we're going to look at, look at good old Moses here a bit. And we're going to see how God gives direction. 20 number 1. Verse 1. Then came the children of Israel, even the whole congregation, into the desert of Zin in the first month, and the people abode in Kadesh. And Miriam died there and was buried there. 
And there was no water for the congregation. And they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. And the people strove with Moses and spoke, saying, Would God that he had died, that we had died, when our brethren died before the Lord. You know, it's, it's, it's... It's wonderful that Moses had the patience and whatnot that he did. Every single time, he had all of these people that he was leading as God was leading him, and all they did was complain, complain, complain. And here they are again. They're saying, gee whiz, we wish we had just died back where we were. Why are we following you? you know? Now, first of all, how many of us would be that patient and willing to stick through what God is telling us to do? When God has us on a mission and God has us doing something, how many times do we get so either get discouraged or get fed up that we stop listening to God? That we're tempted to just say, oh, the heck with this and wash my hands. I'm going on back to my old life. I'm not going to be involved with this, you see. But if God has you doing something, you know that this is what God is telling you to do. There's no quitting. I don't care what opposition you might get from others. I don't care what opposition you may get from family members, from friends, people at work, wherever you are. I don't care. If, if you know that you know that you know that this is what God is telling you to do, regardless of the murmuring and the strife that some may try to bring in your life, don't accept it and just keep moving and saying, okay, God, what is it that you want me to do here? What is it that you want me to do? Okay? Then it continues in verse number four and says, And why have you brought up the congregation of the Lord into this wilderness that we and our cattle should die there. And wherefore have ye made us to come up out of Egypt to bring us into this evil place? It is no place of seed or figs or vines or pomegranates, neither is there any water to drink. Underline, neither is there any water to drink. And Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly into the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and they fell upon their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared unto them. Okay, now put a bracket around that, number six, because that's important for us to see and understand. Amongst this turmoil, amongst this, this, this point in time where these people were, were so complaining, so complaining and screaming and giving them a hard time, where did he go? Okay, he and Aaron, they went to the Lord. They went to the Lord. Okay? They, 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 they consulted God. They went before him to, to, to ask advice. You see? And so it has to be with us when we're looking for guidance and when we have things going on in our lives. Many of us have many big plans before us. Many of us, some of us, have plans that are going to change our lives for a lifetime. Many of us have plans that are going to change the way we live, the way we think, the way we behave. Our life, our whole lives are going to change. And you cannot do this alone. If you think you can do it, do it alone, you're in in for some bad news because um, there's going to be forces around you, there'll be people around you, things of the neighborhood, the job, family, whatever it may be, that's going to bring opposition. You've got to learn that when things are going rough in your life, to run right to the face of God and ask for help. Okay, so it says that they went to the presence of the assembly, unto the door of the tabernacle, fell upon their face, and the glory of the Lord appeared unto them. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, just, I, I got to keep pausing here. It says that when they went there and fell on their faces, the glory of the Lord appeared unto them. When you've got issues going on in your life, you've got difficult things going on, and God knows in your heart that you're seeking his help, that you're running to him for help, the glory of the Lord will appear before you. All right? Now, that does not mean necessarily you're going to see bright, shiny lights and all of that, but what I'm saying is that God's presence will descend upon you. If God knows in, in if God, because God knows your heart, if God knows that in your heart you feel that you're in a place that only God can help you and you run to him and you, in essence, fall on your face before him, God honors that and he will indeed appear. 
All right? But you've got to believe that and you've got to understand it, that when you ask for God's help, he's going to be there to give it to you. And the verse number 7, And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Take the rod and gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak ye unto the rock before their eyes. Underline, speak ye unto the rock before their eyes. Speak ye unto the rock before their eyes, and it shall give forth its water. And thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock. And thou shalt give the congregation and their beasts drink. And Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he had commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock. And he said unto them, Hear you now, you rebels. <laughs> Must we fetch you water out of this rock? He's getting a little upset with him. He's saying, saying you rebels. He's showing some, some anger here. Must we fetch you water out of this rock? Now, underline that word, we. Oh, this is a critical word. Underline that word, we. Must we fetch you water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand, and with the rod, he smote the rock, rock twice. Underline, smoke, smote the rock twice. And the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their beasts also. And the Lord spoke unto Moses and Aaron, Because you believed me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. Okay, please put a bracket on all that verse there. Because you believed me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given unto them. This is the water of Meribah because of the children of Israel strove with the Lord and he was sanctified and he was sanctified in them. Okay, now um, I want you to see a few things here. In verse number 8 where I had you underlined, speak ye into the rock, underlined before their eyes. So what God wanted done here, he, he wanted Moses to talk to that rock so that all could see him speaking to the rock. What Moses did instead, he went and he hit the rock. He hit the rock twice, and then he said in verse number 10, you rebels, must we fetch water out of this rock? So what happened here was you talk about guidance. God gave him specific directions about how to bring forth water. He says, in front of these people, I want you to speak to this rock. If he had done that, he is glorifying God. And the people are knowing that this is what God told him to do. And God is getting the honor and the glory. But Moses decided he's going to go, you rebels, and showing that he's angry. And he decides to beat or hit the rock twice. And he says, must we bring water out of the rock? So he's taking the glory away from God, and he's giving it to himself and Aaron. Plus, he did not do exactly what God told him to do. Amen. So he said, because of that, you're not even going to see the land that I that I uh, uh, will get that I, I promised to give to the father to you uh, to your fathers. Amen. So what does this mean to us in the 21st century? If we've got issues that are going on in our lives, and here we've been worshiping and praising God, and God is inhabiting the, your praises, and he is speaking to you, and he's giving you directions about doing something, you must do exactly what God tells you to do. Exactly what God tells you to do. Exactly what God tells you to do. No more and no less. Amen? To be trying to add to it, or add flourish to it, or to make it look fancy, or whatever like that, or you're trying to do something else outside of what God tells you to do, you could be cursing yourself. You could be bringing... bringing um, heaping coals upon your head because you're not doing exactly what God is telling you to do. Oh, well, pastor, I'm always praying for guidance. I want God to give me guidance. I want God to give me guidance. But then when God gives you guidance, do you do exactly what he tells you to do? Amen? Amen? If God told him to speak to that rock, 
Moses, having been with God for all this time and seeing all of his miracles, it should have been no small wonder to him that if God told him to speak to the rock, that if Moses had said, bring forth water, that he, it would have brought forth, forth water. But he decided to put his own little fanfare to it and, and hit it, okay? And because of that, um, I wasn't really going to go there, but, but if you go to um, Deuteronomy 34. Deuteronomy? Is it Deuteronomy 34 and Numbers 34? Let me just see real quick here. Yeah, Deuteronomy 34. Deuteronomy 34. Deuteronomy 34, verse number 1. Okay, and don't forget, God said, because of what you did, you're not going to see the land. Okay, Deuteronomy 34, verse 1. And Moses went up from the plains of Moab unto the mountains of Nebo to the top of Pisgah, that is, over against Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead unto Dan, and all Naphtali in the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, and all the land of Judah unto the utmost sea. And the Negev in the plain of the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees unto Zoar. And the Lord said unto him, This is the land which I swore unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob, saying, I will give it unto thy seed. I have caused thee to see it with thine eyes, but thou shalt not go over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. Okay? So because of what he did, after all of those years, 40 years, going through the desert and putting up with, with, with that troublesome crowd, he did not get to see the promise. He did not, did not get to enter into the promised land. God showed him it. Okay? So if we are going to achieve and, and obtain the promised land that God has for us, and you know I've given sermons on we all have those promised lands. Those promised lands are those things that we've been praying for. Those promised lands are the end result of something that we want badly to happen in our lives. If God is going to get you to that promised land, the guidance and instruction that he gives you along the way, you need to make sure that you obey him 100% if you want to inhabit that promised land, if you want to realize that thing that you're praying for. Amen? Amen. We cannot, we cannot afford to say that, well, okay, you know, God told me to speak to the rock, but I'm going to help God some. Not only am I going to talk to you, I'm going to spank the rock with my stick here. You don't want to do that, okay, because you see what happens here, you know. And so many times we wind up doing that in our lives and we don't realize it. God says, I'm going to give you that job. I'm going to get you into this position. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that for you. And God says, I'm going to deliver this thing. And it's just as supernatural as God telling Moses to speak to the rock, but we decide that we're going to help God. We decide, well, I think I'll pick up the phone and call the boss. I think I'll pick up the phone and call the landlord owner. I think I'll do this. I think I'll do that. And then you decide to intercede and start doing something on your own because you think that this is going to help the process. No, God simply said for you to speak to the rock. So that means if God is telling you to do something, you need to do exactly what he's telling you to do. And even though it may seem like it's insufficient or it may seem like it's not enough, Speak to the rock, Lord. How's that going to bring water? Now, whatever God is telling you to do, you do that and do no more, do no less. You're talking about guidance, so, so this is what God is telling us here. Now, go to Deuteronomy 30. Deuteronomy 30. In closing here. And we're going to see... 
a lot of things, a lot of instruction here that, that God is giving us. We want guidance. We want guidance. Yes, we want guidance. But how willing are we to follow that guidance? Uh, Deuteronomy 30, starting with number one. And it shall come to pass, when all these things are come upon thee, the blessing and the curse which I have set before thee, and thou shalt call them to mind among all the nations to which the Lord thy God has given thee, and shalt return unto the Lord thy God, and shalt obey his voice, according to all that I command thee this day, thou and thy children, with all thine heart and with all thy soul, that then the Lord thy God will turn thy captivity and have compassion upon thee, and will return and gather thee from all the nations where the Lord thy God has scattered thee. So what God here is saying that if you will remember to do what God is telling you to do, and to obey, and to obey his voice, that, uh, um, that, that, that he, shall, he shall bless you with all of your heart, and, shall, and where, where it says there, return, uh, God will turn thy captivity, that means set you free from, from the bondages and anything in this world that may be giving you a hard time. Amen? Amen? Uh, then if, in verse number Five, uh, the verse number four. If any of thine be driven out unto the outermost parts of heaven, from there will the Lord thy God gather thee, and from there will he fetch thee. And the Lord thy God will bring thee into the land which thy fathers possessed, and thou shalt possess it. And he will do thee good and multiply thee above the fathers, thy fathers. And the Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart in the heart of thy seed, to love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy, uh, that thou mayest live. Please underline all that. To love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, that thou mayest live. Okay? So now we see here that there's a correlation between you living, especially successfully and, and spiritually, uh, it's, it's tied to loving God, loving God with all your heart and with all thy soul, that thou mayest live. Amen? Now, how can you love God if you can't bring yourself to worship Him? If you love God, then it should be fairly easy for you to worship God. It shouldn't be a chore for you to worship God. It shouldn't be a chore for you to lift your hands and to just open up your heart to God and just say, yes, Lord, I'm worshiping you through some of the words like we saw in the lyrics. And, of course, there are many, many others. Amen? Verse number 7 says, And the Lord thy God will put all these curses upon thine enemies and on them who hate thee, who persecuted thee. Now, please put a bracket or highlight all of number 7. You've got people in the world that come against you. Now, I mean, that's an awesome scripture to remember, that if you're doing what the preceding verses said, said that the Lord thy God will put all these curses upon thine enemies and them who hate thee and, so, and, and, and persecute you. And thou shalt return and obey the voice of the Lord and do all this commandment which I command unto thee, command thee this day. Obey the voice of the Lord and do. Obey the voice of the Lord and do. Obey the voice of the Lord and do. Amen. And thou shalt return and obey the, and do all. Uh, verse number nine. And the Lord thy God will make thee plenteous in every work of thine hand. In the fruit of thy body, in the fruit of thy cattle, in the fruit of thy land, for good. For the Lord will again rejoice over thee for good, as he rejoiced over thy fathers. In verse number 9 there, please remember the line. Lord thy God will make thee plenteous in every work of thine hand. On the line, in the fruit of thy body, in the fruit of thy cattle, and in the fruit of thy land. So that means you're going to be prosperous on all fronts. The fruit of the body means that you will bring forth healthy children. Many times people don't realize that, that, that being in a pregnancy, that you need to make sure that you're having God into the picture, the God in the picture. I mean, the Lord knows, God knows that there are so many things that can go wrong. Amen? So, so in other words, so the fruit of your body, 
um, and in, in the fruit of thy cattle and the fruit of thy land. Now, we all don't have cattle, okay? Don't have cattle. At least I don't think any of you got cattle. <laughs> okay, I know I shouldn't have any cattle. The fruit of the land, I don't have a farm or large orchards or anything. But that means prosperity financially. Okay, that means that, that you, you'll be blessed with the things that you do. You, your bank account, you'll be, blank, be blessed financially for good. For the Lord will again rejoice over thee for good as he rejoiced over thy fathers. If, underline if, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to keep his commandments and his statutes, which are written in this book of the law. And if thou turn unto the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul... Uh, and, and with all thy soul. So again, now those if statements there are saying that if you do this, um, you know, that you will indeed, indeed be blessed. But so many times when we are praying to God for things and asking God for direction, um, God may be telling us what he wants us to do, but then we don't wind up doing what he wants us to do because we start hearing ourselves telling us to do something differently. Amen. And we, we've had messages on the three voices that we all hear, the voice of self, the voice of the devil, and the voice of God. So if you're praying to God for something and you're asking for guidance, then you've got to make sure that what you're hearing, for, hearing from God is indeed what you do. Don't go second-guessing God and saying, well, God, if I do do this, well, then what about this? If I do this, am I going to lose out on this? If I go here, am I going to miss out on here? Well, get it into your heads and get it into your spirit that if you're doing what God is telling you to do, then you're not going to miss out on something or you're not going to um, miss a step. You're not going to take the wrong step because if you're doing what God is telling you to do, then stop thinking about what your little puny brain is thinking in here. Well, if I do this, then I'm going to miss out on this, that, or the other. You know, if you're doing what God is telling you to do and warning you to do, everything that you think you need, God will bring into place. You see? But the hardest thing is for us to think that we're hearing from God and we're listening to ourselves. You've got to stop doing that. If God is telling you to do something, do what God is telling you to do. He knows your needs. He knows, what's, he knows what your tomorrow is going to look like. So stop second-guessing second God. Simply do what he's telling you to do. That's why all of these, all of these if words uh, you, you see in there, if you do this. Verse number 10 again. If thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to keep his commandments and his statutes, which are written in this book of the law, and, and uh, if, thou, if thou turn unto the Lord thy God with all thine heart and all thy soul, period. Then he continues here. For this commandment which I command thee this day, today, Sunday, January 11th, it is not hidden from thee. Neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that thou should say, Who shall go up for us to heaven and bring it down unto us, that we may hear it and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea that thou should say, Who shall go over the sea for us and bring it unto us, that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very near unto you in thy mouth and in thy heart that thou mayest do it. Okay? So please put a bracket around verse number 14. In other words, this thing is not so complex that you need to say, well, God, I don't understand what you're saying to me. Is someone going to go to heaven and bring this word down to me? Is that so far off, so complex that I don't understand it? It's not way off in a, in, across the sea in a foreign land. 
The things that we're talking about here today is very near you. It's in your mouth. It's in your mouth. Um, it says, but the word is very near unto thee in thy mouth and in thy heart that thou mayest do it. Okay? So you don't have to wonder about what is it that I need to do, God. The, the, the word of God is in your heart and it's in your mouth. And being in your mouth, the way you benefit from that is by praising God, by worshiping God, by loving God, by following what it is he's telling you to do. You know, not only do you have the word of God in, in the form of written scripture, but you also have it in your heart, in your spirit. And if you're reading the word of God enough, you don't need to have the Bible in front of you every single time you pray or every single time a challenge comes up in life. You don't have to have the written book in front of you because those words that you've heard repeatedly, those words you've heard repeatedly, those words you've heard repeatedly through sermons or, or through podcasts or however ever you're hearing it, and also from your reading the Word of God, if you're really reading the Word of God, that Word is in your spirit, okay? And you, you will surprise yourself sometimes if you will trust Holy Spirit that's in you to bring those words back to you when you're in a difficult place, all right? If you've got decisions to make about your, your work, your, your school, your, your living, your, your family, you know, you take it to God. But more importantly, you do what you hear God telling you to do and don't interject your own thoughts into what you think God is telling you to do. God's word will always be confirmed by his word. If you think you need to do something and you can't back it up by Scripture, then it, it most likely is not God that's talking to you. If, if, if you think that you're doing something that is contrary to God talking to you, contrary to what the Word of God says, then I tell you definitely it ain't God talking to you because God is not going to tell you something that's counter to His Word. Amen? Amen? So if there's something that you're praying for, something that you're praying about, listen for what the Spirit of God is saying to you. If you're not 100% sure, then you ask God for confirmation. Ask him for confirmation. Lord, is this what I hear you telling me? Amen? Amen? And he'll confirm it. I mean, you all, you all know my story about coming over, coming here from New York, traveling 3,000 miles. I mean, I was praying about that, and it was a big, big move, big move, so I asked God to confirm it. And there was that one scripture that was, that was, that was the center, the center of this decision, and that was Genesis 12. Genesis 12. And boy, did God confirm it. Total stranger sitting next to me on, on a train when I was reading the Word of God. He said, oh, oh, I see you, you, you like the Bible too. I said, oh, yeah, I always read it one night. He says, me too. One of my favorite verses is Genesis 12. Okay? All right, I'm asking God for confirmation. Two or three ministers online, on, on TV, were preaching. Someone out there is hearing from God through Genesis 12 and not listening. Okay? Several times, several times, total strength. People that knew nothing about what I was praying about kept referencing Genesis 12, Genesis 12. I knew that was God's confirmation. At the same time, in speaking with my wife, she was, seeing, she was hearing and seeing the same things. Amen? So God will give you confirmation, either through people, through circumstances, but you have to be open to the fact and looking, looking for God's confirmation. You know? Sometimes we run so much, you know, that we can't hear God talking to us. Sometimes we want something for ourselves so bad, we can't hear God talking to us, you see? But you're better off listening to God because God knows the future, he knows the past, and he knows the present. He knows where you are and he knows where you want to be. Don't think that if I miss out on this or if I let this opportunity go that I'm going to be missing out. Because if you let something go and you're doing it because it's in line with God's word and you want to live your life as a good Christian, you're letting it go. God will, God will replace that thing. He will replace it. To just make sure that you're following that guidance. You know, it's easy for us to say, I want God's guidance. I want God's guidance. And God sits back and he's trying to give us the guidance, but we many times don't listen. 
Many times we don't listen. We don't hear him. Okay? And many times that's because of the fact we're too busy doing our own thing, that we're not praising and worshiping God so that God winds up inhabiting, inhabiting our praises. Amen? And brings it in. I don't know how else to say this. 2015 is moving the body of Christ, Christians, into a different place. We're moving into a place that we have not been before. It's because the events of this world are moving to the place that God needs them to be. Amen? The things of this world are moving to the place that's called for in Scripture here. We're on that path, children of God. We're on that path. You look around the world and you see what's happening. We are on that path. So therefore, all things being equal, if we're moving into a new place, then that means that God wants to move us into a new place so that we can survive, so that we will know what to do. And I think what God is doing is warning his church. He's warning the body of Christ. He's warning his children to draw close to me. It's time to get close to me. It's time to stop playing church with me. It's time to stop playing games. But to really, 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 really get to know God. Because the things that we are all praying for in our lives, personally and for the ministry and everything, is moving into a place in time that if we're not getting really, really serious with God, we're going to be left. Okay, now, I'm not saying necessarily left behind as far as rapture, but I'm saying you'll be left in terms of day-to-day victories. Okay, you'll wind up finding yourself struggling. You'll wind up finding yourself going through a lot of unnecessary heartache, a lot of unnecessary steps, because we're forgetting to praise and to worship God and to ask God for guidance, and more importantly, to follow his guidance, to follow his lead. Amen? So then it just says, uh, just to read 14 again, But the word is very near thee in thy mouth and in thy heart that thou mayest do it. See, verse 15, see, I have set before thee this day, Life and good and death and evil. Please underline all of that. See, I have set before thee this day, life and good and death, death and evil, in that I command thee this day, January 11th, this day, to love the Lord thy God. Underline that, please. To love the Lord thy God. To walk in his ways. Underline that. To walk in his ways. And to keep, underline, to keep his commandments and his statutes and his ordinances. That thou mayest do what? Live. Underline that, that thou mayest live and multiply, that means be fruitful. And the Lord thy God shall bless thee, underline, the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land to which thou go to possess. All right? Now, again, I said that all of us have promised lands. These are the things that we're praying for, asking God for. All right? So what God is saying here is to do these things so that you will be blessed in the land that God gives you. Now, we will pray for, for situations in our lives. You may be praying for an opportunity. You may be praying for a place to live. You may be praying for, for a marriage. You may be praying for new babies and things like that. And these, this is the new promised land that you're going to, okay? After you get there, you've got to remember how you need to live so you can prosper while you're in that new situation, you see? We can't go into a new job, into a new house, into a new marriage, into a new life, and then all of a sudden God has blessed us with that, and now all of a sudden we just forget about God. And it goes back to being business as usual. Because so many times we Christians do do that, you know. The whole time when we're praying for this thing, this event or circumstance in our life, we're down on our knees and we're crying out to God and God brings us into that promised land and then we, we, we forget about it. We forget. We, we think that I got into this promised land by myself. I did it all my own, okay. Nothing that you achieved, okay, that, that God did not um, bless or, or, or ordain or, or per- permit you to have would take place. Amen? 
So after you achieve that thing, you need to remember who did it and how God blessed you, blessed you with it. All right? Um, <clears throat> then, then it goes, and also notice up there that it says, uh, um, verse 15 again, I set before thee this day life and good and death and evil. So what God is saying there that even though this was written many hundreds of years back, the same thing applies to us today. And since we're talking about it today, God is setting it before you this day. January 11th, 2015. God is setting before you this day, life and good, death and evil. All right? So in other words, what he's saying there, I'm giving it to you. Now you've got to choose. You've got to choose what it is that you want to do with the information that you're getting. Either you accept it and you act, and you act on it, or you still inside, decide to do the way Moses did and go on and, and hit the rock instead of speaking to the rock. Okay? So this day, this information is being given to you. All right? Verse 17, if thine heart, uh, but if thine heart turn away so that thou wilt not hear, but shalt be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I declare unto you this day that you shall surely perish and that you shall not prolong your days upon the land to which thou passest over the Jordan to go to possess it. All right? So he's saying that if you turn away and if you will not hear and decide to worship other gods and serve them, well, we all say, I don't have any other gods to worship. Well, anything that you have in your life that you put before God is more important than God. You know, if you're a car enthusiast, I always talk about that old 1954 Chevrolet that some guy is working on and he always does it on Sunday morning and never goes to church. That car has become his God. All right. All right. If there's something on TV that you'd rather watch and it comes on Sunday morning and you constantly watch that thing on TV, that's become your God. Whatever it is that you wind up putting before God, that becomes your God because you're worshiping it. You're putting more time with it than you are with God. Amen. So that's why he's saying if you turn away and and, uh, and uh, drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you this day that you shall surely perish. You shall, you shall not prolong your days upon the land which the, uh, thou passed over to the Jordan to possess it. I call heaven and earth to record this day, to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death. Here again. Life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both um, thou and thy seed may live. See, now we don't realize that the decisions that we make can impact the generations that come down before, after us, our children. So God is again saying, I set before you today and you choose. You know, so God is saying to choose life. Verse number 20, so that thou mayest love the Lord thy God and thou, that thou uh, mayest obey his voice and that thou mayest cleave unto him, underline cleave, cleave unto him for he is thy life. On the line for you is thy life, and the length of thy days, on the line life of thy day, length of thy days, that thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. Amen? Amen? So here we see that God has given today, spoken about choices. And it's up, it's up to us to choose what it is that you want to do. You've been given a lot of instruction today. You've heard, based not on not, not my words, but based on the word of God where he's talking about to praise him and to worship him. Don't forget to be thankful for the things that he's done in your life. He's, we mentioned here, talked about guidance, that if you're looking for guidance to, and you're taking God's guidance, then take God's guidance the way he tells you to, to, uh, to guide things, you know, to do things. Amen? And how many of us really, really understand that all that we have and all that we are is, is, uh, uh, should be used in a way that glorifies God? All right? Every breath that we take. While we are around people, it should be glorifying God. That does not make us perfect. It does not mean that we don't make mistakes or sometimes say the right things. But we should be making every effort that whatever God, especially when God has blessed you with something, 
God has blessed you with a job. God has blessed you with a house. God has blessed you with a business. God has blessed you with all things he's blessed you with. You should be doing all of that, living all of that, using all of that in a way that would honor and glorify God. All right? Now, it does not mean that every single minute, waking moment of your life that you have to be proselytizing. Sometimes in places of work, it's not, not the best thing to do is to openly proselytize. But if Holy Spirit needs to send someone your way for you to minister to and God sends them, sends them your way, even in the workplace, God will make a way that you can minister to that person in a way that, that does not uh, um, uh, uh, create a problem. Amen. Amen for you or anyone else. As long as you're doing it when God is telling you to do it. Okay. Don't get so puffed up knowing and saying that God gave me this business, God gave me this job, God gave me this house, God gave me this marriage, and now I'm going to go out there all of a sudden single-handedly try to save the world. If God has not told you and instructed you to do certain things with that business, with that job, with that marriage, with that life, then, then you need to wait on God to guide you. That's what it's all about. Because we get so puffed up inside sometimes, kind of like Moses here, that we want to do things our way, thinking that we're glorifying God. Amen? Amen? So praise God. I pray this message has been a blessing to you. Chew on it. Think on it. And now before we close, let us prepare to honor God with our tithes and offerings.